Welcome to the Breakout Growth Podcast, where Sean Ellis interviews leaders from the world's fastest growing companies to get to the heart of what's really driving their growth. And now, here's your host, Sean Ellis. All right, in today's episode, we're going to be looking at Templify, which is a SaaS solution that targets enterprises and helps them drive consistency and compliance in their brand and and all of the uh, compliance messages that they would put uh, out across the company. They were recently ranked as one of the fastest growing SaaS businesses in Europe and the fastest growing in Denmark. So clearly they're doing something right, even if the category they're in may not be as exciting as some of the businesses that we're looking at. I am ex- really interested to dig in and see what are they doing to drive all of this growth in an enterprise targeted SaaS business. So I know they're fans of a growth hacking approach, so the, especially Casper uh, Rochman, who's the marketing lead that we'll be speaking with. And, uh, and then Oscar Constantiner is going to be looking at things from the, the product perspective, hopefully through the conversation of speaking with both of these guys, that we'll get a pretty good understanding of what their overall growth engine looks like and how, how they're driving these great results. And then hopefully I can also give them some ideas and, and tips on how they can accelerate even further. So let's get started. All right. Welcome to the Breakout Growth Podcast, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's, it's really good having you guys on. So before we jump into how you're approaching growth, why don't we start with you, Oscar, and you can let us uh, understand or maybe you can explain a bit about what Templify is and what problem it solves. Yes, for sure. So what Templify does is Basically, we help big enterprises make sure that their employees are always on brand, legally compliant, and all the documents they're creating are, and presentations and emails, they're always personalized so they save time. So in a nutshell, we help employers be more productive, more efficient, while being compliant with uh, latest company standards. And uh, we did this in, this, in a SaaS uh, solution, basically. So no matter where you are, what you're doing, um, you have access to all the new stuff you need. Yeah, and then and then what about your kind of typical target customer profile? So both kind of the the company size and then the then the main uh, buyer inside that company. So, the, we are talking very heavily on enterprise customers actually. Um, we are targeting um, brand managers, IT profiles, uh, IT departments, CIOs. Mainly all the people that are responsible of making sure that uh, a company and their employees are on brand and, and legally compliant. But at the same time, making sure that when they're doing these um, digital transformations, so we can actually uh, help them make sure that their office environments get on the cloud. They usually come from all kinds of, uh, of on-prem installations and systems that help them create the documents. But as people get more on bring your own device and go on the cloud, it's simply not there. And we are helping them uh, get there. Yeah, if, uh, a small point to add here is that it's definitely the people who care about the brand. Those people are the ones who find Templify a lot interesting. So typically we start off, the ones that have the real need are the people who can't really solve this today. So typically brand managers in large enterprises. Just, just imagine the scenario in your head. Like you, you roll out a new email signature, you have to roll it out to 50,000 people. Like uh, we've all, all been there where some email goes around and goes like, hey, uh, can you... Uh, 
can you apply this email signature and or right. hey can you please promise to use this template whenever you do a powerpoint presentation or do a word document and it's not happening uh, and that's essentially what we solve yeah and an email signature seems like a, a good example of both the compliance side and the brand side so the brand side an email signature needs to look consistent and be on brand but i also notice a lot of companies uh, especially like if they're in the legal space or something where they've got some legalese language attached to their to their uh, to their signature as well. So I, I assume you handle both of those. Exactly. That's exactly what we do. And then expanding it even more so that you don't have to concentrate on the email signature alone. But when you need to update your legal text, for instance, or you get a new logo because you got a new identity, then you need to update it in one place. And then it's ultimately updated in your email signature, in your documents, in your presentations, basically whatever they create across the whole organization. Great, great. So, so clearly, uh, as you as you said, Oscar, that it's it's very enterprise targeted, and uh, being enterprise targeted, your your price point's going to be relatively relatively high compared to a consumer product or a, or a prosumer that's, that's, product. That's saying it mildly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think the approach when you've got that high price is, is going to be quite different than if you've got a super high velocity consumer business. So I wanted to dig in a bit there. Um, I know you don't publicly list your pricing, but I was able to uh, get an indication of price through your uh, Drift chatbot on the site, and uh, and I see that it's in in the several thousands of dollars uh, a year as a as a starting price, and I assume the average goes way higher than that. So I'm I'm assuming that that pretty much every sale requires some some human touch to to get the uh, to get the sale closed. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So our sales process is quite substantial. Uh, so what we typically look at is that when we get someone in from the first first point of contact, the earliest deals we make are between four and six months on average. We have some deals that close faster, but but, but usually we look at four to six months. Some deals, and some deals are even closer to a year or two years. And the, the reason is quite simple. Like it's easy to understand. Like if you when you want to hear it, is that these are big enterprises. There are 50,000 people. There's a lot of stakeholders. So brand, let's say the marketing department, brand manager decides this is a great idea. Then it needs IT approval. IT need to be on board and need to be helping rolling it out. And then you need approval sometimes from the board members, even from the top level management of these companies, right? So, so there's a lot of approval that needs to happen across. And, and it, it gets literally rolled out on every PC and like every working computer with, with your employees in the company. So Wow. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think I would hate to be part of a company where the board of directors needs to approve, <laughs> approve from sales, but I'm sure, I'm sure those companies exist. I'm not even joking. It's, it's for real. Like Sometimes uh, we need board of approval. Uh, sometimes it's just uh, when it's family-owned businesses, it's just one guy you need to convince. But... <laughs> But that's a different, right, that's a different right. story. But it is, it is definitely a, a multi-touch sale and and one where you've got to you got to navigate a whole bunch of stakeholders, as as you were saying. So that sounds very different again from from what you would typically see in a consumer business that's trying to use a growth hacking approach of of experimenting across kind of the, the that full customer journey around product and around marketing and and really all of the those customer touch points. Do you think? This this growth hacking approach applies in an enterprise targeted business, or is is it modified somehow? What's what's the real difference here? I think you hit the nail here. It's a great question because because uh, essentially the whole idea of rapid experimentation is 
it's not at all impossible, but it's harder. It's just harder. Because well, let, let me give you a good example. So right now I'm testing multiple different channels and I'm testing different copy and stuff. I can measure it on how many leads we get in. I can measure it on how many opportunities he creates. But I won't know for a fact in four to, between four to six months from now if this campaign or whatever I did activity actually generated a customer, right? So I have to. So we have to backtrack everything we do. It is possible, and we do it like we do it across the board. But this extreme rapid experimentation on on the whole funnel that's hard to achieve sometimes. Yeah, and I think especially when you've got the the touch components, uh, where you've got sales and customer success and kind of all of, all of these different areas, it's really hard to have exact consistency in in those touch points to be able to run experiments and drive improvement. And where if it's all online, it's it's very easy to say, okay, this is the page everybody hits, and it's the same experience, and I'm going to test. An alternate to that, and so so clearly it's it's different. We've established that. What do you think has been the the, the things that you've done really well that have have gotten you to this point, the the success that you've had to date? And why don't we start with you, Casper, and then Oscar? You can build on anything he says. So my 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 main thing I keep saying to people when they ask me a question like this is how how do we replicate Templify's model? It's a bit hard because I think the main thing we we done right is that we have a really good product. So we have so currently it's a bit of a blue ocean. There's not a lot of people who do this. So it's essentially where we presented a solution to to people that didn't exist before. And and this sounds very radical, but that is essentially what we've done. Um, so the main reason we've have we we are where we are is because of this. With that said, we have done a lot of things on 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 the other side, on the back end, to make sure we actually get where we want to be. One of the things is we focus uh so we have a very distinctive focus on saying we don't want the vanity metrics across the board so so and this is especially i'm so i'm in marketing so of course this is especially evident for us is that we're saying we don't care about vanity metrics we literally only care about the final numbers right and we try to optimize everything we do towards that i think that has been one of the reasons we've been good Uh, we have a great culture Uh, we've been really good at cultivating that and it's essentially on our onboarding flow. Our CEO is on uh, on every single employee that gets hired, so he has to approve every single employee. So ensuring that we always have the right employees. So that that's also been that's also been a really big part of it. Um, what do you think, uh, Oscar? Yeah, I totally agree. And then I also think that something that really made the deal for us is that we focus so hardly on on enterprises. We, in the beginning, we uh, we had a, a product that was focusing solely on enterprise. We had the right SSO models. We had the right uh, architecture that could scale to thousands and thousands of uh, employees in companies and support the most crazy uh, internal inter- IT infrastructure. But uh, but also in the in the sales process, actually, like in the beginning, we, we had to find out who we were. Um, but as soon as we Managed to find out we are enterprise um, SaaS solution, and then managed to uh, focus our sale on that. That is when uh, when we really kicked off in my in my view. Mm-hmm. And then, so one of the things that uh, Casper that you said that that jumps out at me is you, you you talked a bit about it being a a blue ocean opportunity and something where where a lot of people don't have this type of solution in place, but. I did go through Captera, which I which I was able to see through SimilarWeb was was one of your uh, one of your referring sites that sends a lot of traffic to you guys, and I noticed that they had uh, 
they had a ton of different companies listed um, ar- around things like uh, asset management and and brand management and 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 so it feels like there's there's pieces of your your business touches pieces of a lot of other businesses. Um, so I guess part of part of it is even the positioning that you're doing something really unique. I'm I'm just curious how how you feel like you fit into that competitive landscape. I, I'm always so happy when someone says they looked at similar web for our traffic. Uh, that just makes me on a deeply personal level happy. But <laughs> on another on another point, uh, you're totally right. And and the thing is, we have uh, in Templify today, we have a bunch of different modules. So I, I brought up the idea of email signature management. We have a library function. We have dynamic contract, like we can create dy- contracts dynamically and all these things. I think the power of Templify is the distribution. So the thing is that we can distribute. We when we, Templify is uh, employed in in the whole organization, it's the whole organization. So you can employ these different modules. And no other, like very few people, like very few companies can do something similar. We're talking, we're in the ballpark of five to 10 companies that have remotely something similar. Because um, there's a lot of asset management, DAM systems, digital asset management systems. There's a bunch of them and you can probably make one in a weekend. But but <laughs> but but essentially like the distribution part of Templify is what makes it smart. So people have access to it. Yeah, exactly. Like there are a bunch of companies, the ones you also found, Sean, uh, that can do uh, something similar to uh, to templify but in verticals and it's very rarely uh, we, we never have seen any companies that actually do what we do on a horizontal base um, on horizontal scale and that like all the way from from handling documents and uh, digital asset management uh, digital asset management but also that we actually are able to deploy to enterprises get into these uh, every single computer on the, on, in enterprises that's um, that's something we don't really see other people do um, they're usually working on a on a more vertical scale perfect really yeah. the productivity or so yeah <laughs> right and i and i definitely find if you if you if you kind of try to look at what's out there almost every category touches a whole bunch of other categories and there's a lot of noise but when you when you dig into your customer base and you really ask them what else did they consider, and why did you pick Templify versus the other products? Uh, that that a lot of times they'll they'll hone in on the things that really are uh, unique about your product, and and you realize that maybe the the competitive landscape is a lot narrower. And it sounds like you've had a lot of those types of conversations that give you that perspective. Definitely, definitely. Cool. So one of the things, Casper, uh, that you had mentioned was that. Um, you don't spend a lot of time focusing on vanity metrics and that you're really trying to trying to look at the the, the metrics that matter the most. Um, so are you familiar with the concept of a North Star metric and, and do you feel like uh, you've got one at Templify? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, so I'm, I'm very familiar with the concept. Uh, I've read a lot about it and heard a lot about it. And I think it's a, in essence, it's a, it's a great way of looking at like, having focus throughout a company. It is something we've as actually recently debated uh, highly. So it's like it's very on and off because I think both me and Oscar, even ha- between us, have a little bit of a different perspective on this. But but I think if, for me personally, at least, like uh, everything I do is is grounded in. And this is gonna sound super boring, but it's is grounded in monthly recurring revenue (MRR). So everything I do, I optimize towards that. So that. Uh, the other part of it is that saying that that's 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 on a like business side of it, but essentially we're focusing more on documents, and I think Oscar will testament more to that. That that is definitely the the more salesy uh, version of it, and me being a, a product guy, 
Um, <laughs> we, we operate a lot on, we want people to be efficient while still being compliant. So basically we want to, them to be able to do more uh, good work and, and spend more time doing what they're best at and not spend so much time on figuring out how to make a document, how to find the right colors, how to find the right content to put in it. So something we will mention on is um, is how little time they have to spend creating a document that is still compliant uh, and have the right content. So basically how many how efficient can they be inside Office and in the content they produce while still being yeah. compliant? So, so I think in, in both those cases, if you guys don't mind me giving a little bit of context on what I think um, it works, like why Northstar metric can be important and one that might be good for your business. So one challenge with the monthly recurring revenue is that, especially if you have annual contracts, uh, you might have some customers that, that basically have already churned in month three, but they're in an annual contract. So they're going to be recognized as part of monthly recurring revenue. And so they're not necessarily, you're not necessarily driving value and impact for those customers. And so to me, the ideal North Star metric is going to be one that is, is a, a proxy of how much value you're delivering to your growing customer base. And ideally it's going to be something that's up and to the right over time, or that you can build it up and to the right. So it's not sort of average this or, or, or something like that, but it's instead um, like one that I came up with that I, I think is, is similar, Oscar, to what you had mentioned is uh, maybe something like weekly documents created with templates or, or via Templify. I'm not sure exactly how the, the wording that you guys would use, but it, but it, it shows that you're, you're getting usage of your product and then that's going to be a good long-term predictor on growth of MRR. Exactly. That's 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 also our idea. Like with, with the added on that, of course, we don't want people to create more documents. We just want them to actually be more efficient in them. Yeah, and it, and if they're using Templify, <laughs> they're they're going to be more efficient, right? Exactly. That's that's the hope, at least. <laughs> <laughs> that that's what we're aiming for. That's the idea of the product. I think it's yeah. important to add that in 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 this conversation of how how relevant MRR is for us, it's also a matter of churn and lifetime value. Uh, so when we look at these things, like it's important to say that one of the reasons Templify is also a very solid product and very solid business case is that we don't have a lot of churn. So so we don't have the case you described that that that's happened maybe once in our history. So um, so it's it's it actually is quite predictable. Um, but but I, I totally that's, agree. That's, great. that's a that's a good SaaS business when you yeah. don't, when you don't have a lot of churn. Yeah, that's so. usually a good, pretty good, right? It makes it very easy to do marketing. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I and I think we should we should chalk that up as as one of the uh, success factors because clearly, I mean, I, I think that's the the death nail of most SaaS businesses is that if you've got a high churn rate, you can grow to maybe you know, a 1 million ARR, 2 million ARR. But if you're, if you're churning 5% of your customers every month, then you, if you got a thousand customers, it means that if you don't add 50 customers in that month, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to actually shrink. And so uh, churn, churn makes it really hard to grow over time. Definitely. If you don't have a high churn rate, then you're in, you're in good shape. So, um, and that probably relates back to the long sales cycle, right? It's not a, Try try out product as you yeah. really think it through before you buy it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and and so I, I think this concept of one metric that matters is is something that is uh, often misunderstood. But I think as as some people interpret it, uh, they they kind of 
conflate one metric that matters with the North Star metric. And the North Star metric is not the only metric that matters, but it's a single metric that can be a rallying metric for all groups in the business that everyone knows this, we're, we're increasing the impact we're making on customers over time. And when we do that, that metric is a function of, of having a low churn rate, having a lot more people coming in and signing up and using the product and, and having more usage from existing customers. And all of those things can then move that metric in the right direction. But uh, I, I want to dig into the organization in a bit. And I, I think one of the challenges in an enterprise targeted business is that it, you have so many specialized groups in, in the business that it's, it's really hard for everyone to look through the same lens at, at what success is. And so if you have a single metric that everyone can rally around and then they know the role that their department specifically plays in moving that metric, um, you, can, you can get a lot more sort of organizational alignment and the power of everyone pulling in the same direction. And, and it, just, to, just to reiterate, like, I think you're exactly right. Like, and I think that's actually, just to be completely frank here and honest, is that uh, that's one of the things we're struggling a little bit with sometimes. Is that we need to we need to be better at this because we are we are grow we're growing super fast. We we went from I think it was around uh, in January last year we were 40 employees. Now we're closing in on 180. So it's going it's going really fast. And one of the things we we need to keep us we're like that also means we make new departments and make new like hire a bunch of people all the time and and aligning everything on what uh, having this growth mindset across the organization sometimes is quite hard. But, but yeah, but no, but no, we're, sure. we're trying. <laughs> no, and 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 I think that's the that's that's part of the growth mindset is is recognizing that you're not doing everything perfectly and looking for the areas where you can do things better and uh, and trying to focus on on the areas that are going to have the biggest impact and and just driving improvement there. And so I think that's that's one of the things that um, growth mindset's important in any any company. We talked about there's big differences in an enterprise versus a, in an enterprise targeted business versus a consumer targeted business. But I think in both cases, you want to have that that desire to continuously try to drive improvement across all customer touch points. It's just that the process of driving that improvement is probably going to be pretty different between an enterprise targeted business and a consumer business. Absolutely, absolutely. Like let's let's dig into a bit on on what those customer touch points are that we're trying to drive improvement on. Um, but I, probably even before that, how much are you guys really thinking about trying to drive Im improvement across across the different touch points? A lot. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> I, uh, I, so okay, you got you probably got the guys uh, like the things about the most about growth in the business here. So so uh, actually, I literally before before the today here before this, I literally had a call. Uh, with uh, a bunch, so we have a bunch of BDRs. We do a lot of uh, business development, and I I remember I noticed uh, we joined a weekly call for them and for, to introduce a tool I wanted them to use, and then I noticed they had some issues with how they source accounts and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, guys, we can definitely optimize this. This is not and this is a typical thing where we go like, this is not a part of marketing, but let's make it a project and see how we can help them become better at what they should do, right? And and from that we kind of spawned uh, like a bunch of ideas, and now Oscar and I have kind of joined forces together with three other people to call we call we call ourselves the Crazy Five, so, uh, where we do growth across the organization. So we 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 
brainstormed a bunch of ideas, like, and then we scored them based on either the brass or the Pi network uh, framework, and said, "Hey, uh, which which ideas?" And then we literally we got a score for each idea, and then we picked the one with high score. And now we're across the organization, we're making it happen. Uh, and stuff like this is it's really hard to do with an enterprise because uh, because the things take time and there's a lot of toes that you can't step on. <laughs> uh, but, 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 but we're, we're, but we are thinking a lot like this. Um, so yeah. Perfect. Uh, I, I love that. That's really cool because I think that's, that's probably uh, one of the things that I, I see as, as a really big flaw in a lot of enterprise targeted businesses is that it is, is super siloed and specialized and no one is really thinking big picture. And the fact that, uh, Oscar, you're from product and Casper, you're from marketing and that you've got this crazy five that you guys are a part <laughs> of that's, that's looking at that big picture. That's, that's really powerful. And again, the process for driving that improvement is going to be different from a consumer business that might just be rapidly running testing, but you know, j- just having a desire to find areas for improvement and then working to drive that improvement in whatever way you can, I think is, is super powerful. I think also one of the the latest initiatives we also did was um, it used to be the product, for instance, was um, a, a part inside the product. Uh, sorry, a part of engineering. Where what we've done recently is that we actually created a, a whole new a product department. That where the whole purpose is actually to span all the way f- having roots in uh, development or engineering but also having people that are part of marketing, people that are part of sales, um, that are all creating the whole product vision um, so we kind of think commercial and tech um, into the same vision um, and not sit in silos that's that's, uh, that's awesome and, and it's and it's kind of the opposite direction that a lot of fast scaling companies go uh, I, I remember you know my my path from sort of 10 people to a hundred people to a thousand people in in companies where you know, it's it's hard when you when you're a kind of a senior guy in in that really small company because you're getting more and more of your responsibilities carved out to a specialist, and and you actually kind of get a, a narrowing of responsibility over time. Or in a lot of cases, you have have companies that they oh we're big enough now to go attract the real talent, and then you get replaced, which is <laughs> even more painful. But, um, I'll take the narrowing of responsibility over being replaced, but um, I think that's that's super commendable on you guys. The fact that that you're going the opposite direction as you scale the organization and and thinking more about how you can think big picture. I'm so, I'm so glad you brought good. that up, actually, because uh, that's exact that's exactly how I've been feeling for for quite a while. So I joined uh, a little bit more than two years ago, and back in uh, two years ago, we were the head of marketing, uh, me traffic manager slash growth hacker, and then we had head of communications and a student assistant on SEO. Now we're 15 people in marketing. So every time it would be like, I wouldn't do something like uh, the drift bot, like, hey, I was like, hey guys, we need a chat service on our website. So I would do it, go run with it and prove that it worked. Like this is a good thing for our business. Let's continue with it. And then we would have, okay, let's have someone take over. And then we would hire someone. So we did account-based marketing. We introduced, then we found, okay, we need to hire a person to do that. Then we did campaign campaigns overall then we need to find every time we carved out a piece of what i do so so sometimes it's been like okay what what do we want want to want me to do now that we keep growing so fast right 
So, <laughs> well, you're still there, yeah. so that's a good sign. <laughs> so I think it's a good sign. Somehow you keep yeah. having work to do, right? <laughs> I feel like I'm more busy than ever, but but it is like these special specialized things are are definitely disappearing sometimes. Um, so it, but it's yeah, a good thing. But I but I, I I do love the fact though that you're you're teaming up with Oscar and and a, a few other people to uh, th- to start to think about big picture, and I think that's uh, that's really cutting edge for an enterprise targeted business. So you're you're taking the extra time from what you might have been doing and doing everything and and, uh, and making the right adjustments, at least from from what I can see from the outside. Um, so Oscar, why don't you take us uh, through that that customer journey? We're talking about trying to improve the different touch points. And I, you know, I think a lot of times we can easily get lost in the weeds here. So I'll come back out for a second and remind people of the, you know, what Templify is, is that you're really trying to take kind of, uh, I think what you call it is, is, anarchy that you're that you're solving in some of your marketing messaging where everybody's got different designs and non-compliant in what they're doing when they're creating PowerPoint decks or or email signatures and you're giving them the ability to very easily have consistency and actually bringing efficiency so it's not a trade-off between consistency and efficiency you actually make it more efficient so they can easily access the assets as they're as they're building branded materials so that the end picture is this this beautiful picture of everybody being consistent in how they're approaching things and really and really uh, efficient in how they're doing that. But going all the way back out to the beginning, especially if it is blue ocean where people might not even know they need this, how do you go from how do you take someone from consideration all the way to where they become that product champion that's that's really pushing Templify across the organization? Yes, for sure. Um, the interesting thing about Templify, I think, is that we, all the organizations that we are targeting, basically all of them have people that have been doing something related to this for, for years. Like we have uh, brand managers and document specialists and legal people where the whole job is about how do we push out new updates? How do we make stuff compliant across uh, all 50,000 employees? So it's not like they haven't been thinking about this space. Um, they, they are thinking about this constantly. What we are providing is that we have made a tool where they can do this easily. It used to be that they have to go to IT to get it pushed out. They had to go to some designers to make the graphic. And we simply make sure that they can do it all from one platform. So. When we get uh, approached any leads, um, either either if it's outbound or inbound, then they usually understand the problem quite quickly. And it's not those people that we need to to convince, actually. Um, so our sales cycle is much more like a, a project management um, project management project uh, where you have to help the person that is basically from the beginning saying, yes, I need that, I want it, uh, because it can solve all my problems. It's, it's helping that, uh, that person to convince the rest of the business that maybe don't think that compliance and documents uh, or that the right logo is in the email is as important as getting a new ERP system. Right. Yeah. Or, ev- or even so, just, just let me just do my job. Who cares how, how consistent or compliant we are? Exactly. Like uh, one of our key uh, key things is that we don't believe that anyone wants to be uncompliant. Everyone wants to have the right logo. Everyone wants to have the right legal disclaimer. But they basically do the what is easy. So what we try to do is make the easy solution the right solution instead of just taking the presentation from the desktop, right? And um, 
uh, but it, it can be hard to see. So uh, what we're doing is we, we try to create all kinds of material um, to help this person convince the rest of the business, both get the budget, get it through procurement, get it uh, get through IT, all the different departments that and the stakeholders that needs to be involved in, in big decisions like this because they always get rolled out company-wide. Um, and that, that includes, like, we, we have... Always uh, a sales rep uh, that uh, that takes them through the uh, through the process, including uh, technical POC, for instance, looking through the content, uh, making sure that the the procurement is done in the right uh, time, uh, because in, in even in big companies, that is not even sure that uh, that is always uh, that everyone knows how the process should be. So, but we have tried it so many times that. We, we kind of know what when what should be done by now mm-hmm. and that's a that's often a lot of touch points we do yeah um, yeah i guess it sounds like that the person who who would be the initial product champion recognizes the need and and it, it's really about helping them push the recognition of the need broader through the organization but how how do you connect with that initial person to to help them even discover that templify exists so one of the things that's most challenging about our business is that we're creating a space that doesn't exist. So we, template management was not a thing before us, uh, essentially. So so most people, uh, when you come in through organically or through AdWords or Bing or whatever platform you use, a search engine, uh, they search for a solution they don't know exists. So they search for something. So we have to deep dive and say like, uh, so some some people we even search are like, they search for PowerPoint template or whatever. And we have to filter out the ones who just want a free PowerPoint template and who aren't looking for a solution. Of course, there'll be someone out there who searches for template management solution. Great, we sell to those, but that's like once a year. <laughs> so that doesn't happen that often. So, so most people find us through our organic, uh, organic channels, through our content, and through our paid advertising in terms of AdWords. We do a lot of paid advertising on Facebook and, and LinkedIn, especially too. Uh, so that's also a channel. But typically, those are very high in the funnel, and they don't understand Templify before. It, it takes a significant amount of time before they understand tem- what, what we actually do. Once they do understand it, that's when the connection happens. I was like, okay, this is amazing. How do I get it? Uh huh. I, I find it so interesting that for a, an enterprise targeted business, that uh, that that Facebook would be a channel. I think years ago, people would just think of it as a consumer channel because people are in kind of a consumer mindset when they use Facebook. But everybody uses it, or or so many people use it that you do have these enterprise buyers there. So it's, it's been interesting to watch the, the transition to, to have more enterprise targeted businesses using that as a channel to reach potential customers. Truth be told, we haven't like, we haven't been good at Facebook in the past. It's only this year that we've been actually managing to positively prove that it's a good channel for us. LinkedIn has for, for a, quite a while been more substantially provable to be better. And that's despite the fact that yeah, it's which 10 times sense, more. people in the right context. Yes, but it's also 10 times more expensive. So you really, yeah. you got to nail it. Because <laughs> uh, everyone else knows that's a good place to reach exactly. as well. <laughs> uh, we, we've been doing a lot of cool things there uh, to actually get to the right people. But but I think we we definitely got a model now that, that works when it comes to this. That's great. And then I noticed that you have, I mean, you've, you've talked about that you've got uh, the Drift chatbot as, as, as part of that conversion at top of funnel and uh, but I also know you guys do a lot with video so I saw a really good uh, customer testimonial video and and different different videos of of just kind of introducing the the product and and the problem that you're solving how how important are things like drift and and videos in in 
getting people to actually want to to sign up and and get a demo of the product? Great, great question. So let's let's start with Drift. So Drift for us works. Uh, I almost almost want to say like a filtering tool. So we only like the business case is only positive for Templify if we sell to you if you have more than uh, typically more than five hundred to a thousand employees. We do sell sometimes to you know, to companies with 200 employees, but that's if they're management consulting, legal firms or stuff like that, where the core of their business is making assets like PowerPoint presentation documents. So here, Drift has the function of kind of saying, if you're 50 employees, here's the price tag. If you can afford this, then that is cool. That you're welcome to do it. But the benefit is definitely larger the larger a company we deal with. So Drift serves a lot of that. I and mean, it really does a perfect job of automating these this filtering because we used to use intercom uh, originally i introduced intercom and the problem back then for intercom was that for for me at least i thought it was hard to filter out the people we had to almost manually respond to everyone and with drift i can remove 80% of that so that's a, that's the drift part when it comes to videos, video is huge for us. And this year is definitely a big year for video when it comes to us. So we've always, uh, so one of the big biggest things about videos for us is that I typically talk about the wow moment. The wow moment for us is when people watch our main explainer video, they literally go, wow, this is brilliant. Like uh, they go, this is so smart. This is exactly what I'm looking for. So I literally, I, I track, uh, we track uh, one of the things we do is we track a lot of uh, activity on our site with Hotjar and all these different tools. And one thing that we can see is that when when people go and just browse for a website, they it's gotten a lot better. We just changed our front page and all these things, but but they still still don't know everything. But once they watch a video, then there's a very short time frame before after uh, seeing that video and signing up. So So video plays a huge part. Uh, and now we rolled out, we literally got hired a full-time videographer. So only producing video for us. Wow. And and I saw that only one of your uh, kind of customer case studies included video, um, but it was super compelling. It seems like uh, that videographer should be all yeah. over all the other ca- case studies that you have, because I think that's a, that's a great way of, of getting people to get excited. But it's just a matter of convincing these enterprises. They're not always, they're a little bit shy sometimes, so... <laughs> Yeah, and it's also hard to uh, hard to to get them to get on site with yeah, them, exactly. especially if you get a very international customer base. But um, I I personally felt like it was pretty powerful, even though I'm clearly outside your target audience <laughs> because uh, you had you had mentioned um, Drift, and I and I just uh, in kind of playing around with the site. Hopefully, I didn't throw off your numbers too it's bad fine. with this, but uh, entered in kind of some fake company data just to sort of see how how you were using Drift, and I was surprised because you do hide the pricing. And as you just touched on, um, when I, when I put in my company size as being kind of less than 500 employees, it literally said it costs this much. Are you sure you're still interested? <laughs> if you are, you can talk to us. I, I thought, I thought you were, that was a really good way of filtering out the leads that you don't want. Is that, was that what the intent is? Exactly. Like? Exactly. The intent. It sounds awful, but it is, that is exactly the intent. And, and no, but I think, I think that's, that's one of the hardest things in businesses is to be able to say, this is who we are. And, you know, I've actually seen HubSpot take the opposite direction where they, they specifically say, you're too big for us. We do not want an enterprise client like you using HubSpot. And, and so being, being really clear about who your target customer is, I think is, is hard to do, but, um, but, but important. 
And we do have people who are very persistent, like uh, they go like, we're 20 employees, we need Templify. And it's like, yeah, that would probably be great for you, but can you really afford it? Yes, yes, yes. Just give us Templify. Okay, cool. Uh, but Yeah, and then in that case, you'll take their yeah. money, but you don't want to waste a salesperson time just to <laughs> just to uh, put the price in front of them and then, and then have them disappear. Exactly. So I think that's a great way of, of using it to qualify them. So, so I guess one of the things that I wasn't sure about, um, you indicate that you can try it and then it goes to a form where you would then get a demo of the software. Do you, do you actually offer a free trial after that demo? So what we do is that, yeah, you get contact with a, with a sales rep that will take you through the through the process. And uh, we have seen, we, we actually tried out uh, a long time ago uh, how we could make some kind of demo environment, how we could make it possible that you could just like self-sign up and, and try it all out. But the problem about Templify is that uh, it, it makes the most sense when you have it set all up and you actually see how it works in context and not just on a, on a demo environment. Or, and, you need, and for that to work, you often need to involve IT, uh, internal IT, you need to involve your, your, your a template consultancy firm or what you might be using. So what we're, what we're doing is that we are saying, we're going through a, a couple of meetings where we actually validate that they are really interested. Um, and, and then we go to this uh, technical proof of concept where they can get everything installed. They can actually try out with some documents of their own and, uh, and have a full, full scale uh, demo instead of just some, some demo environment, uh, a tried out. Uh, okay. Place. And, and would you call that a pilot then? Is that, is that a paid kind of situation or, or do you, do you give them the ability to do that without paying? We give that the ability to do without paying as far well as I Yeah, yeah the proof of concept is, is free. Yeah, <laughs> I think um, one thing we actually, the sales reps gets a lot of credit for, and this is implementation and support too, is that this proof of concept is is very thorough. It's literally like when you what would happen if you bought Templify. So we literally roll it out almost exactly like it would be without maybe if you want to custom templates or something like that. But essentially we roll it out exactly and then they get a feel for it. And typically what we also see is that once that happens, then people are like, okay, so I just need to sign this contract, then we're rolling. Uh, okay, cool. So the, the, the buy-in is very, very high. Once people have had the proof of concept, they're like we, we see 80% of them close afterwards. It seems like, and you've touched on this a bit, but it seems like one of the one of the important things that you need to do well is once you have that product champion, the the person, say for example, that's responsible for enforcing brand consistency or encouraging it, depending on what language they may be using, giving them the ability to very easily roll this out to the broader organization. I mean, one of the things that I think is is really cool about what you do is that you you actually kind of inject yourself right into that workflow. So you become a part of PowerPoint or you become a, automatically added to the email. Um, but, but I assume that there's, there's some challenges going from, you know, getting to the point where it's actually deployed to everyone. How much experimentation or what, what have you done that, that necessarily works well to, to drive that, that broader adoption? Um, I can answer that. So, um, so we used to not have a customer success department. We do now. So, so one of the things we do is definitely have customer success. The thing about buying Templify is that these organizations, especially the, the quite big ones, they literally put down a team that's responsible for making sure Templify is used. This sounds it sounds very dramatic, but that's essentially the case. So some of these uh, some of these really big clients they they make teams of like sometimes of uh, the biggest teams I've heard of are fifty people. 
that are responsible for the for the for templifying the whole organization. So, so for, for on our sake, like we literally give them all the tools, but we don't do and we help them and we, we like we do we help customer success does like they do these different uh, webinars or like talks where they show how to use Templify and can roll it out. But essentially, it's up to the business to make sure that their that the employees also use the tool. We roll it out and everything like that, but 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 everything else is on the client. But is, so is the rollout basically that they email everyone in the company and say, sign up for this or download this no, or what's, no. how does that actually work? So it's deployed. So it's literally installed on your computer. So when next time, when we install Templify, the next time you open uh, your email signature, you'll have, it, it, like, you can testament to this. Oscar pops up and say, hey, Casper, uh, are you Casper? Yes, I'm Casper. Are you still traffic manager? Yes. And then you have uh, your email signature dynamically updated. Same with Word and PowerPoint, like Templify just appears in your Word and PowerPoint. Exactly. Like one, one of the things we found out with, with enterprise customers um, and also the, one of the things that we have been focusing on very early on is that you cannot rely on the individual employee to, to do things. That's the same reason why they're not compliant. That's because they didn't download the, the newest logo or, or whatever. So um, it, it's very key to us that the individual employer have to do nothing. So when they are done with the POC, um, they literally have to just say assign a contract, and, and then they can uh, start. Um, they can just press the button, and next day, they, all the employers will have their things mm-hmm. on their computer. And then it just—it does sound like that you—you you add so much convenience in terms of if they're using PowerPoint, for example, that you've got licensed images that are right there in PowerPoint, and and any other kind of templated, uh, maybe maybe giving them the ability to take uh, some of the the latest financial information if they're if they're kind of reporting something internally. But all, all of those things seem like they actually provide benefit and not just not just brand consistency and compliance, but actually make it easier for someone to put together a, a, a good looking presentation. Exactly. Like our hope is that we are helping the, the end user in, in, in the end. Like the the compliance and, and the like the being on brand, being legally compliant, that, that is a key benefit for, for Templify. But but as a person to person, we of course want the, the individual user to to be more efficient be more uh, have a more convenient work people uh, people who work in powerpoints are very happy uh, especially like management consultants that that have to do powerpoints all day every, every day they love templify because it just makes it so easy for them it's like it's like they literally can do all the, the cool functionalities we add a bunch of a bunch of extra productivity tools that you can like they can align things and make sure that their entire document like we check we have a checking function so it checks if it's on brand check if it's using the right colors right font or all the things so yeah, I remember this t- this test where they uh, they looked at how how much uh, time they were saving with Templify actually, where they um, they tried with the old way where they had to go to this brand portal in in a web interface where they I think they spent two minutes finding a photo to put into the PowerPoint, and with Templify it took approximately three wow. seconds. And it, and it's licensed and, and, <laughs> and stuff like that is just. <laughs> So they're not just like Googling yeah. images, which which may or may not be freely available. That's anything that's going to show up in Templify is already um, licensed. And so you don't need to have that fear that uh, sometimes people who build PowerPoints exactly. have. Everything is company <laughs> right. approved. Um, yeah. Cool. So, I mean, to me, what I'm, what I'm hearing here is that not only is it automatic in terms of how you deploy it, but you're deploying it directly into their existing workflows. So you don't need to build necessarily 
radical habit changes with them, it's it's just it's inserted right into the habits anyway. So you don't need to f- focus as much on triggers and and getting people to to use it. It's it, it, you just need to make it convenient for them to do the things that they're doing anyway, and and that you can start to really drive that engagement, which probably ties back to why you have fairly low churn rate uh, across the whole business because if it's being used, then they're they're very unlikely to uh, to cancel. Would you agree? Exactly. Yeah, totally. That has been key to Templar from the very beginning that we, we cannot break people's pattern uh, of habits because using Word is just one of the things that are so incorporated into your daily workflow. So we need to tie, uh, tie into that. I would, I would definitely that. chalk that up as one of your one of your key success factors as well. Um, which is, I think, I mean, like I would say the same thing for my time at Dropbox that. There's a lot of really good execution things that I did and that the team did, but at the same time, the nature of the product made it possible to to grow that business very quickly. And then it's all about how do you how do you just go right on the edge of potential and continue to uh, have it perform as best as it can within within the reality that the product creates. But um, sounds like you've got a pretty good reality that you're dealing with there. <laughs> Um, so I guess one last question. We think so. <laughs> yeah, one last question before we wrap up um, is is more on the the revenue side. So um, you you mentioned that it's it's kind of a company wide solution right out of the gate, and I know a lot of SaaS businesses. Kind of the formula for for SaaS is if I can grow my new customers faster than I'm churning customers, then there's a good chance I'm going to be building a good business. But the one other part of the of the formula is if I can expand my existing customers, then I can even have negative churn. Um, do you have uh, customer expansion opportunities in in your pricing model? Oh, that's a good question. That's a rough one. So uh, I just want to state that we've been talking about pricing for a long time. It was one of the things that we keep bringing up again and again and internally. And it's always like uh, I worked in bunch of other places where pricing was always the discussion of where you should list pricing or not. Uh, we decided not to because it's like, um, essentially, there's so much complexity to what we can do. Uh, just let uh, an example, sometimes because you can pick and choose. So one of the things we solve is font distribution. So we can, we can if you have a custom font, like maybe Coca-Cola has a custom font, well, then they can technically deploy it to their whole organization in the click of a button, right? No one else can do that. So that's really relevant. But if you don't have a custom font, it's not really relevant for you to have font distribution, right? So there's a lot of, we have a lot of different modules that does the different things that we can't essentially, like displaying that, it's going to make it, it's very complex. Uh, so that's kind of the decision-making that's been behind it. Uh, if it's correct, I don't know. But 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 uh, that's what we're that's where we are right now, at least. And I think that's very much in the nature of of, uh, of our sales process, actually, that we are dealing with so complex enterprises, meaning that every enterprise is different, meaning that they diff- need different modules, but it's also that they are so huge organizations that it might be they have companies within companies within companies. And, and there, those are the, the cases where we definitely have a lot of learning span opportunities, where we, we might land a, a, a national uh, part of the company um, and, and then they plan on expanding to I hope to expand to uh, other nationalities. Okay. And maybe even like, I, I assume even like within department or like from one department to another department, or do you generally cover all departments even? It depends from case to case, but in general, we hope to, uh, we, we, we tend to cover the the whole organization. One thing maybe to have in mind, uh, to keep in mind is that uh, one thing that's convenient is that 
these huge organizations, they always have a, a pretty heavy procurement process, both in terms of like uh, pricing, but also in terms of IT and so on. Meaning then as soon as we get into just a single department in a, in a company, uh, we usually approve to get rolled out to all the rest of the organization making it the barrier yeah. a lot less. No, I, I definitely understand the procurement. I, I, I do some private workshops for some bigger enterprises, and uh, I have one that I'm still trying to get into the procurement system about eight months after I did the workshop. I mean, I know they're going to pay me, but it's <laughs> every day I get something I really hope that so. I <laughs> submitted something wrong into the, into the system. So uh yeah, I can't imagine a whole business of, of having to deal with that. Fortunately for me, those are the, the rare cases. Um, so I just wanted to, to share a few of my key takeaways and, and uh, get your feedback, make sure that, that, that they're consistent with what you are seeing here. So one, touching on, Oscar, what you just said about the complexity of enterprise and, and all of these pieces, it, it does feel like um, you know, enterprise-targeted uh, growth is is really different from a consumer business that you've got all of those moving parts and it's very easy to become more and more siloed in, in specialties and those silos don't necessarily communicate a lot together and uh, but if you can if you can really step back and try to understand it and try to drive improvement then then that can be powerful so uh, commendable on you guys for for being part of the, uh, the the crazy five who's who's stepping back and, <laughs> and, and trying to take that big picture look. Um, I do think one thing that can really help you guys with that is uh, is if you can, and, it, and it's going to probably not be you guys pushing the North Star metric, but if you can come up with a value metric that your CEO strongly believes in and uh, and everyone in the company that basically says we're impacting brand compliance and consistency and efficiency because we're increasing the number of compliant documents that are created every day and our that the number that we were creating 6 months ago was this per day and now we're up to this if you can have some kind of kind of value footprint that's growing over time and and really tie that back to the overall company mission that can be really good at at, at driving that kind of cross functional alignment and getting everybody everybody on the same page and pulling in the same direction. And I think that's, that's powerful. And it's it, in an enterprise, you shouldn't be any less limited in, in your ability to do that. That I mean, in an enterprise targeted business, you shouldn't be any less limited in your ability to do that versus a consumer targeted business. And then my final takeaway is that I, I do think you guys have really good product market fit. It's not just a product that resonates with the market, but it's a product that uh, is, because it sits in that workflow, because it's something that the, the the product champion really needs it and is able to deploy it pretty automatically, and and then it goes into the workflow of people. That's that's a, a really good um, growth situation, and and that's that's something that you uh, probably should continue to to dig in to understand and and leverage the heck out of that because that's that's really seems to be. Um, powerful. So, any any thoughts on the on my key takeaways? Would you uh, uh, agree with those? I, I totally or agree. Different? I think you're spot on, and uh, I think it, it is a it is a challenge for us to this North Star metric. It's not something that's been talked a lot about before, like as a as a concept internally in Templeify. So, it is something where we need to find something that we can all agree on, and 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 I think we're getting there, and we will get there. Uh, but but for now, it's a little bit uh, divided sometimes. 
Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, I think that's normal in most businesses. And I personally didn't understand the power of the North star metric until, until I really studied Facebook and, and how they used it. And now I've, now I've brought it to a lot of other companies and seen how, how much of a unifying force and an aligning force it can be that it's, it's something that I think all companies should really try to, to tap into. So Oscar, did you have any feedback or thoughts? No, that was, uh, I, I totally agree. Uh, and it's also the North Star metric, like just doing, doing today, we have been, uh, been talking a lot about that. Exactly. Um, specifically where we try to define what, what do we actually see as it? And I think we do have, uh, some kind of, of unified opinion of where we want to go, but it would be so nice to actually make it. Well, make especially if every, everyone with their kind of local KPIs for their, for their team or group can, can tie those back to the big picture, then, then you might have something where, uh, you, uh, the, the lead gen side is, has less conflict with the sales side because lead gens may be more focused on, overall volume of leads, even though I know you said that, that that's probably more of a vanity metric and maybe you're not <laughs> as focused, but just as an example. Yeah, that's fine. And then the sales team, but the sales team may have a, a KPI where it's, you know, average transaction size and, uh, and lead to close rate. And those two can be pulling in different directions. But if, if the, the arbitrator of differences in opinion between two groups is how does this impact our overall North Star metric, then it then it's easier for everyone to kind of say, oh, well, you know what, these leads may be a little less quality, but they're all people who need this product and can contribute to our overall North Star metric. So maybe they should be in in the funnel. So for example. But uh well guys, I uh, I wish we could uh, keep talking because I, I think that's, that's interesting, but I want to make sure that we don't uh, don't go too long here. But I, I would definitely like to thank both Oscar and Casper for sharing, giving us so many insights about how you're approaching growth and helping me personally to understand how an enterprise targeted company is different from a consumer targeted company and, and how you can use experimentation and improvement to, to drive better results. And uh, I personally have found the conversation really fascinating. So thank you guys. Uh, thank you for having us on. I've, uh, I've learned more than this hour than I've done in uh, half a year, maybe. So no, <laughs> okay, that's exaggerating. But <laughs> but but it was, it, was, it was definitely good. And it, it, it's give a, gives a lot of food for thought. So I loved it. Thanks. Perfect. I'll, I'll take it. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Breakout Growth Podcast. Please take a moment to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, subscribe so you never miss a show. Until next week.